other's gang. Two sisters, both curious and strange. I'm like a duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. How's it going, boys and babes? It's that time again. Time for another episode of the magic hour. I'm Mercedes Terrell and with me, my majestic partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hey, Jade. Hey, you guys. We just want to take a minute to thank all of you guys that have shown us love by rating and reviewing us. This is so huge to us since it lets us know you're finding value in what you're hearing. Um, We did want to share one from Slick. He says, I've listened to hundreds of episodes of the Joe Rogan experience as well as hundreds of hours of other podcasts. And in just a few episodes, these two ladies have created a podcast that is right up there with the Joe Rogan experience for me, and that I look forward to listening to each and every episode that comes out. That's just one of the ones that really touched our hearts, but there are dozens of others, and we're super thankful. Joe is such a huge inspiration to us, so this really left us speechless. So thank you, Slick. I'm sure you're listening. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's thank so you enough. cute. That really warmed our heart. I love that. Thank you, Slick. That's awesome. Anyone who wants to rate and review us, we read all that stuff. So yeah, put it on there. We'll see it. Yes. So today we're having on Deanna Smith. Deanna is a life coach who works with millennial artists and entrepreneurs to assist them in releasing outdated ideas about their career and relationships so that they can define success on their own terms. Yes. She's a deep thinker and a seeker who has been on her own journey of self-discovery for many, many years. She loves to help anyone who's asking for the chance to grow and her light is in empowering others to become their best selves by guiding them towards what's truly in their hearts. Through coaching, she's able to help us to identify how to live our bliss and how to serve others while living a healthy, happy, abundant, and joy-filled life. So without further ado, and because I am so ready to step into whatever guidance she can offer us today, let me introduce today's guest, Deanna Smith. Yay! Hi. 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 So, so grateful to be here and really honored you guys, um, the work you're doing. I've listened to some of your stuff so far. I'm so excited about it. And I think you're setting such a great example. Oh, thank you. you. That means a lot. So I have to mention that you are like our most mysteriously, I'm calling it, uh, you're our guest by divine design because we have somehow summoned you with like unbeknownst to us how it's happened. But Jade has this um, like list. It's actually, I think, on our wall behind her there. Um, this uh-huh. list of our dream guests on there. You know, it literally has people like Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah, like, you know, all these people. And you're on that list. And we didn't know you prior to this. Jade doesn't know how and you I got on And I looked you up list. and I wasn't even following you. That's so funny. I know. I'm like, how did you find me, actually? It's so, it is, I feel divine. I had no like interactions with you. I must have seen you on someone's post or something and just put your name down. I don't know. But I was like, well, I think we're supposed to interview her. Yeah. (laughs) And she sent me like your writings. I was like, yeah, this girl's right in alignment with stuff we want to share. So yeah, she was like, good catch. And I was like, I don't know what bait I sent out. (laughs) That's amazing. You you scooped it up. It's so good. I love it. So today we're obviously going to talk about ways we can seek out and step into our own calling and how to reach our highest potential. And I'm super excited to get into all that. But I wanted to first ask you, how did you 
come to recognize your own gifts and how did you come to be a life coach? Mm, That's a very good question. It's interesting because it's something that I've struggled with for a long time and it's not necessarily been in the recognizing of my gifts because I felt from a young age what I was good at. Uh, I might've been a little confused because there were a number of things that naturally came to me fairly easily. Uh, And then, you know, you hear the noise and the voices of the people around you saying like, you should do this or you should focus on this one thing and, and you'd be so successful. Um, and I did start my first passion career relatively early, which was acting. Um, but I really sort of hit out in that and I never got to the point where I fully stepped into it and really put myself out. Um, and I hid behind life circumstances and chaos and partners. Um, and then I went through a whole, a definition period between then and now where I was sort of struggling to find my legs and, um, it was after I had split up with my ex-husband and was still acting, but really needing to figure some other things out to help financially that I responded to an ad. Actually, someone was looking for a dating coach and it was one of those things where I read it and I was like, Oh yeah, I can do that. Um, (laughs) and that was probably about seven or eight years ago. And, um, I interviewed with him and started working with him and I had, the best time. And I utilized actually a lot of the skills I had learned as an actress, um, both through self-inquiry and, but also improvisation. And we would do things like go out places and I would tell him to do things or say things to women and, you know, help him get more comfortable and, um, you know, did all sorts of things. And I had a great time doing it and really felt that it was a calling that I wanted to pursue Uh, It just wasn't the time in my life where I had the stability to build that. Um, So it wasn't until about a year ago that it really started coming back around again. I had more space in my life again, and it just really started flowing. Uh, You know, some people started coming to me for sessions. I started a women's group, uh, started doing workshops and just sort of started going by referral and it's really been opening up. So um, it's, yeah, it's been a fun new path, yeah, new older path. Yeah. There's a lot of parts of that story that I relate to a lot. Um, so you help others, you know, figure out how to live at their highest potential. Do you feel like you're currently living at your highest potential? And also how do you continue to reach and cultivate motivation to keep reaching for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Potential is an interesting idea for me. And again, something that I've struggled with for a long time because I feel there's a lot of pressure in potential and around Mm -hmm. the idea of reaching my full potential because what is that really like? If I just sit here and think like, I got to reach my full potential. Yeah, there's like it's, anxiety. It's, a little yeah, bit. yeah. It's like really intimidating and like, well, don't make a wrong move or you might not reach your full potential. Uh, it's also it has been a good place for me to hide mm-hmm. in that, you know, if you're not all in, if you've not really fully committed to something, it's like, well, I didn't really give my all. I didn't really try so I'm, you know, you kind of have a cobweb or an excuse for not reaching potential. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've really um, 
come back like more into alignment for myself around the way I look at it recently, or maybe in the last couple of years in that I know what I want my life to look and feel like. And I know kind of grand scale, big things, big picture. I know what I want to achieve. I've always been very ambitious, but what I can do is now Mm -hmm. in this moment, what I can control is now in this moment and so it's it's a process of breaking down to what is now, what's right here, uh, what can I do in this moment, and if I'm really filling the space here in this moment, then I feel that that's I am living my potential because that's what I'm doing. Um, but there is that idea, like you, I didn't really answer your question when you asked, like, am I living my full potential? No, I'm on the path. Yeah, um, but I, you know, there's more and. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because my fiance will get mad at me sometimes because I am like, I want to do more. I want to learn more. I want to like, let's process more and let's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We never go take a drive, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour without me taking four books to choose from, which one do you want me to read to you? So yeah, I I think there is this paradox about our potential, you know, wanting to maximize our potential, but having now the knowledge, knowing that it's infinite, like if we have this infinite mm-hmm. potential, that's a really yeah. overwhelming thing to try and wrap our heads around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, Deanna, that if we just bring it back to the now, like, okay, mm-hmm. I know I have infinite potential, but there's like gradual becomings that have to happen in order to get there. Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now, here's what I do have access to. Here's how much I know I, you know, the the beliefs I have in myself or whatever it is that it takes for me to actualize this potential in this very moment is only what I have right now. So let's work with that and move, you know, forward with that. Take that little step forward. Yeah. Totally. Yep. I think also finding comfort in the fact that anything we're drawn to is already in us. So all those things mm-hmm. that we're wanting to grow in, they're in there. And sometimes just sitting quietly with that and not doing any of the busy work to try to get there, mm-hmm. but just sitting quietly with those desires yeah. can be enough. Yeah. So. And allowing space for yeah. it to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's an interesting part of our brain that must be at work whenever we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're just striving. We're just striving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that goes to like, fear and control too a bit like yeah, totally. to know what the answer is and the outcome is going to be. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. for me. Um, yes. Me too. We, I, we know we got all kinds of control issues over here. We're just three peas in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so I was going to mention that in your writings, you mentioned that a big part of your journey was spent in turbulent relationships with partners who you had you know, some sort of unhealthy addiction to. Could we go into that some and maybe you can explain some of those experiences a bit and how you were able to learn from them and apply those learnings to your life and and to your career and how you coach others? Yes, for sure. Um, Some of the most valuable lessons I've learned about myself and others have been through relationships. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I was married young and that was actually my second love and, and met him just off the heels of the breakup from my first love from high school, basically. And with him, it wasn't so much like an off and on turbulence. It was more the turbulence of me 
um, not being ready to be married and doing it anyway and kind of punishing myself for thinking that like what's wrong with me for feeling this way mm-hmm. and being more addicted to a f- feeling guilty or feeling bad about myself or feeling like I should be some way rather than just how I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that relationship was tough because I really beat myself up for not wanting to be married at that time, but being mm-hmm. married anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the struggle of like, uh, what am I going to do when I know it's not right? And eventually leaving. Um, right after that, I, ha- I tend to have like a 10 month window or I've had a 10 month window mm-hmm. between significant relationships. Uh, I met a man that I was with off and on for seven and a half years. And that relationship was the relationship ex- itself was highly addictive. And it was one of those things where I knew very early that I was screwed. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like shit, I'm, I know what this is and I know I'm under it. Mm-hmm. And that almost made it worse because I was like, well, why can't I just Walk stop away. it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was really biochemically addictive and it was breaking up and getting back together and, and him, you know, saying all these things and promising all these things. And then like within a day, really like the opposite happening. And, and so it was so much of me again, beating myself up because I knew, and yet I was like, why can't I break this pattern? I know it's a pattern. And that actually really helped me in the process of embodiment going from learning and knowing intellectually to embodying because I had to throughout that relationship go from uh, like learning all these things and, and knowing these things and about myself and, mm-hmm. and learning about, you know, all the areas that I've studied and through actually physically embodying it in order to break out of that pattern. So I learned how resilient I am Mm. Um, and how, even when the things aren't working out that I think I want or really did want at the time that I'm okay, mm-hmm. I'm happy. I, I can always start anew. Um, I learned how to actually love and accept myself. And it's that to me has always been such a weird, intangible concept. Like, oh, just love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to experience going through that whole process of like being like, okay. And like trying to learn it and trying to study it and then actually finally getting it. And that's when things really shifted for me and acceptance because I didn't accept for a long time what was happening and I didn't accept myself in what was happening. And in order to really change, I needed to learn to really accept myself and really accept what was happening instead of thinking it shouldn't. Yeah. I think people listening to this, I know I can really relate to a lot of that because I know that I have allowed my relationships to define me um, a lot of the time, you know, along my journey. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's something just to really look at in any relationship in your life, not just with your romantic partners, but even in your friendships, um, your work life, your your mother father relationship i mean all those relationships of our mm-hmm. lives we allow to define us the community mm-hmm. is certainly important but at the end of the day we're alone you know it's just mm-hmm. us yes <laughs> yes and i 
chose relationships as a place to hide for Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, it kept me safe from fully expressing myself and putting myself out, which has always been, you know, since I've been very young, a fear and something I've had to really work through. Um, and it was such a safe place to hide because I could be the support system. And then I could also hide behind like, oh, all this chaos is happening. Like, oh, now I'm getting divorced and I got to figure out how to support myself and my child. And now I'm in this relationship and he's back and forth and off and on. And so it re- the relationships for me really were a place to hide. And uh, it's it's been, you know, I'm two years in now on a now very healthy relationship And it's really been like the last year that I've been able to like really start stepping out on my own Mm. uh, with support and love, but like not hiding anymore. What would your advice be to someone who may be with their life mate, but also realizes that they're hiding in the relationship? Mm, That's a great question. I think being with their life mate but realizing that they're hiding in wanting to not be hiding would be the first definition Mm -hmm. defining, okay, well, how is the hiding serving you? And do you want to not hide? Mm -hmm. Why do you not want to hide? And then from there, looking at ways to connect to a new way of being really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we, you know, our, our behaviors are, all because they're, they served us at some point and then we got used to them and sometimes mm-hmm. they're not serving us anymore. And then it's yeah. like, okay, well, what else are we going to connect to mm-hmm. at this point? Yeah. What do you think about your current relationship um, that you, you feel like you're experiencing as a, a healthy relationship? What mm-hmm. makes it healthy to you in this, you know, new phase of your life, new chapter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I got to give a shout out to Scott Kaufman he is the most all-in person I've ever met. <laughs> uh, he, to me, defines the supportive masculine. Uh, so he is very in his masculine, which was very attractive to me, and it still is. Hmm. But he is able to hold space for me to see me, to understand me in a way that can really support me as an individual as opposed to um, just an extension of him or what he needs from me in order to help bolster his appearance. He, he's really a partner. He really sees me. He really gives me space to really blossom and feel supportive. And it's so stable. And I know that he's not going anywhere. He's there. And that sturdiness mm-hmm. allows me to breathe and be comfortable and, and be able to create from yeah. a place that feels good to me. Yeah, That's an important uh, word right there is like the stability that allows you to create. Jade and I talk about when you're in a fight or flight mode all the time mm-hmm. with your relationship or you're thinking that you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, if it's going to be really turbulent and you're not going to know, you know, that person wants to stay it triggers mm-hmm. all these abandonment issues we have. It triggers all this 
shit in our past, you know, all these samskaras that we... Samskaras, oh my gosh. (laughs) That we need to work through, but haven't yet, of course, because we're busy in fight or flight mode trying to like figure Mm -hmm. this part of our life out. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. But do you feel like, because I've experienced this, that, Uh that when you get to a place in your life where you're with someone who, you know, this... Let me let me back up for a minute. So like we all think of this storybook idea, this romance that's going to, you know, someone's going to come into our life and sweep us off our feet and then it's going to be all those problems we had, they're going to be gone, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that that person, if if that type of thing ever does come to fruition in your life, you're going to maybe have some euphoria that comes with it and some of the things that you think Disney has impressed on you that, you know, you think you're going to experience. Um, but you also now have like this level spot in your life that for me, when that happened, I had like a, oh shit moment. Like, okay, that big part that I've been trying to conquer and take care of for all these years of my life is kind of like in a neat little box. And now all my stuff that I haven't, you know, that I've been putting on the back burner is surfacing. And now I have to deal with all of it. And literally like I had a, I call it my uh, quarter life crisis or whatever. (laughs) I don't know if it's midlife, but quarter life crisis that all this stuff came out and I had to decide how I'm going to deal with this. I started having panic attacks and anxiety and all these things came out. For you, because you're now in this space where you're with this person who you feel is stable and is like this anchor and, and you can count on them showing up. Did, did you have, you know, did that give you all this space and time? And like you're saying, creativity that some maybe parts of you that you didn't count on surfacing all of a sudden came up? Mm. Not necessarily, but I will say that we're, we're both very conscious of what our wounds are and we're both growers. So, you know, we have conflicting wounds and, and we've been very conscious of that. And that's something that we've worked through together continuously and there is stuff that comes up and I'm sure there will continue to be. It's, it's just so different because when we're both here and we know we're both here, it's almost like it's a pleasure to work through it, even when it's not, um, because it's growth Mm -hmm. versus in, in the old relationships where it felt like fight or flight, like you said, it's like, it's so unstable and it's so kind of scary all the time. And the not knowing is, it's like, it's it's so hard to have space to actually create, to actually make progress forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're always kind of processing through stuff and, and, and stuff's coming up, but it's, it's, it's a pleasure to work through it. That's good. Yeah. I am. I was wondering also, as a life coach, um, how, you know, you explain some of your past relationships as, you know, dark times. How Mm. has the darkest places in your journey allowed you to not only see, but to be the light as well? Mm -hmm. Um, I think without having those experiences, I don't know that I would really fully appreciate where I am now. And it's certainly not in my relationship 
I don't think I would fully appreciate. And I, I feel like I really identified with like the romanticism of like the ups and downs and the pain and the back and forth when I was younger, both with acting and with the relationships. And it's sort of like an etching process maybe that I went through where again, I go back to the embodiment because it helped me to embody these lessons where I've lived through them. And so I can understand viscerally what it means and and how I could guide someone through maybe similar circumstances as opposed to just theoretically um, learning it or knowing it and teaching it. Um, So I feel that really going through all those times and and the embodiment of getting through them is helping me to be able to show the light to other people uh, in a way that I can um, understand it so much better and also appreciate so much better uh, what, where I am now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That contrast is super important. I think so important. Life happens somewhere in between the dark and the light, right? I know, Mm -hmm. even though it sucks sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. We say seek the pain for positive gain, you know, like go through it to get to the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So perhaps before we dive further into the the how-tos of how to navigate through our negative patterns and habits Mm -hmm. and rewriting our brains for the better, you could explain a little bit about the science um, behind how we create our habits in the first place and, you know, what physically, biologically occurs when we change Mm -hmm. them, you know, Mm -hmm. why these habits are happening and what it looks like when we change them. Yeah, this is a topic that I geek out over a lot. And uh, one of my favorite teachers on it is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's written a number of books, um, Evolve Your Brain and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which I love that title. Yeah. Uh, but he, he talks about how when habits are formed, they create deep neural pathways. And, you know, it serves us to some extent. We, we, we start doing these behaviors and we create these habits and and it makes it so that we can do things like drive cars and brush our teeth without thinking about it. Um, But at some point, if we look at a habit and realize that it's not serving us and decide we want to change, we have to essentially rewire our brains and create new neural pathways. And so the process of doing that is, is becoming conscious first and foremost, that uh, behavior perhaps isn't serving us anymore or habits not serving us anymore. And then to start the process of rewiring ourselves, um, you know, sometimes with change, uh, you know, people just say like, Oh, I want to make this change. I want to lose this amount of weight or, or whatever it might be. Um, and then it's like two steps forward, one step back, or it's, it's start and then just stop altogether. Um, so it, it's that process of the rewiring that causes us to um, make steps forward and then back and then forward in the back because we have to essentially retrain, make these neural pathways and retrain our bodies because our bodies also become biochemically addicted to the emotions that we're used to producing based upon these behaviors. Um, so it's, you know, deep meditation, 
Um, I love for, for retraining my body. I love, um, doing acupuncture Reiki. I have, I go to an amazing fusion healer, um, for acupuncture Reiki, which, you know, when, when I can feel those energy patterns start to, mm-hmm. to open up and change, it feels really uncomfortable. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was listening to something that Dr. George Spencer was, was referring to, the fact that we, by I think age 30, something like that, I might be totally misquoting him here, but something mm-hmm. like by the age of 30, we are using subconscious patterns for 95% of what we do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. which is super scary. We're basically robots mm-hmm. that totally. we have programmed through all of our past shit, right? Yeah, And exactly. only 5% is new, creative, organic material. So yeah, and frightening. It- it is frightening. And with a lot of people who aren't conscious or aren't seekers, it takes sometimes a big disaster for them to mm-hmm. realize that they want to make a change or realize that a change might serve them um, because they do get to the point where they're just running on autopilot and don't really question it or just think like, oh, this is just the way life is. How can we lessen our resistance to that though? Like how can we lessen our lessen our resistance to that and also mm-hmm. like take inspired action? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a lot of ways. I think um, some things that help me are, like I said, meditation because we're detaching from the concept of who mm-hmm. we think we are for a period of time and allowing some space for change to start to happen. Um, you know, like I said, body work, I think, so I think reflection from, Mm -hmm. from others and support and accountability from others is important. Um, given they're the others that see you and Mm -hmm. support you, um, also noticing in others what, you are changing too is really important because I think seeing examples of what is possible is really valuable. Um, you know, the idea of jealousy is interesting because I think it's actually a great tool. If you're noticing something in Mm -hmm. another person that you would like to have in yourself, that could Mm -hmm. be a great tool because you can see the example of that and A, you know it's possible, and B, you can get kind of on the vibration of it. You can you can attune yourself to what that might look and feel like in order to draw it into your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could really help lessen resistance if you use it in that way yeah. as opposed to in using it in a way of like, oh, you know, how people normally think of jealousy or noticing mm-hmm. something that they want. That's mm-hmm. so interesting because... Uh, that's something I feel like I was really resistant to for most of my life. Even just in the last few months, I feel like I'm kind of turning the corner on that specifically where when you see something you don't like about somebody, you're like, you don't know why this person turns you off in a you know, certain way, maybe even right away when you meet them. Mm-hmm. It's usually some sort of reflection. You know, there's something in them. There's that a you're, trigger there. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing it. It's something you might be dealing with on your own end that you're seeing in them. And it's, triggering you, like you're saying, Jade, to have that response. So if you can twist, you know, like you're saying, Deanna, twist around the idea to really recognize that as, as, um, a reflection and go, okay, what, what Mm -hmm. is it that's triggering me firstly? And then where is that living in me and how can I, you know, dig that out and actually deal with it and work through it? 
It's like that saying, um, you can tell more about someone by what they say about others than by what they say, what, what they say about themselves. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because the things that bother them, it's like showing, you know. Yeah, we only notice in, other, in others what's in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the things sometimes that bother us and others are thing, uh, parts of ourselves that we're pushing aside, that we're disowning, that, you know, maybe we don't see as favorable, but... I guess my next thought here is a little bit um, parallel to that. So when it comes to having compassion for ourselves and for others, this is something I've noticed that I have trouble with. I know that I'm tougher on myself and on others than I should be. But I also, and this is probably not the right thing to do, but I also attribute the type of toughness that I you know, act on myself, the type of toughness I have Mm -hmm. for myself. I attribute that to my success. And sometimes I even attribute Mm. the success of those around me to the toughness, to my toughness on them. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a long repeated pattern of mine, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not the healthiest thing to be doing. I know I need to change it. Um, Mm. I even make some conscious efforts, like taking notice of it. But I see myself quickly fall back into the old rhythm um, Mm. once I'm in a situation that allows for it. Right. I've read something you wrote that says, without compassion for ourselves and others, we can stay stuck in destructive cycles. So that really speaks to that for me. Can you Mm -hmm. go into that some and and into how to recognize firstly and then repair this cycle? Sure. So you're recognizing a pattern of of toughness on yourself and others, which as you said, has actually served you because you've seen it help get things done, help you get things done, help others get things done. But maybe it doesn't serve you anymore mm-hmm. is what I hear you're saying. Um, so it might start with considering, is it possible that you could create a new belief whereby you can be tough with love or you can be tough with accountability and it doesn't have to come without compassion. It could be, um, so, so creating a new belief system around it. Once you recognize that maybe something isn't serving you and then the compassion I think is important in accepting yourself for where you are now. Mm -hmm. So where that's come into play for me in where it's left me stuck when I wasn't compassionate was, making myself wrong or making whatever was going on wrong. And, um, it's just made it impossible for me to move from there. So, you know, first accepting that this is happening, this is where I am and it's okay. Um, then looking at, okay, well, how is this serving me? Let's be honest here. It has served me up for some reason or I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then can I create a new belief around this? And what, from there, it's inquiry for me. You know, what would it look like if um, I could change this belief or if I could see it a different way and what might change in my life? Who might show up for me or who might show up differently for me? And uh, how might my behaviors change? How might their behaviors change? So, and then sort of connecting with a new belief and a new way of being. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> I think definitely it did answer the question of how to repair the cycle because mm, right. once once you get stuck mm. in that mode of, I feel like even maybe this is, you know, I don't know if this is something that you get into or consider often, but I'm always obsessed with 
how our hormones work and the biochemistry mm-hmm. of our bodies and that. Mm-hmm. When I'm, you know, certain points of the month, certain parts of my cycle, I notice I'm either more compassionate or less compassionate mm-hmm. towards myself mm-hmm. and others. Um, and this cycle, this destructive cycle of, of you know, being so tough on myself that I'm harmful can rear its ugly head way more than other times of the month. Mm-hmm. So is that something you notice or experience? And is there a way to kind of navigate that as well? That's interesting. Um, I definitely notice the hormonal influences on myself. Um, and in terms of navigating that, I think awareness and compassion is especially important at that time and giving yourself grace because, you know, this is a moment in time and (laughs) stuff gets sticky sometimes. And the more conscious we are, I feel like the more we can take a step and pause and look at ourselves and be like, okay, I see you. It's okay. You know, I, I, I still love you. (laughs) Feel this. Yeah. You know, it's not going to last forever. Totally. So I feel the compassion is extra important. Feel this is an important statement Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. I think uh, just looking at all three of us, I'm going to lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that I feel like we're probably all in the same age demographic here. Um, But sometimes I feel like, okay, cool. I'm getting, I'm getting the hang of this thing. I'm getting the hang of this thing, but I just need a little more time to practice. And, you know, every month Mm -hmm. with my new cycle, I get a little better at it, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, by the time I get this finally figured out, I'm going to go through menopause. It's going to be a whole other situation. (laughs) Well, (laughs) hey, you know, but such is life. It's like, it's like, this is our life. And of course, we're always striving to grow and we want to give ourselves tools and we want to evolve. And it's also trusting that we are, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are a learner and a grower. And at some point, I think it, it's, again, I go back to giving yourself grace and trusting that you are making shifts. Yeah. And that's, that's also why I feel reflection from people and having people, a support system that you trust and that, you know, has your back is so important because sometimes you need that reflection back to you. Like, no, Mercedes, six months ago, you were really fucking tough and you've softened so much Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think that's important because we need that sometimes because we forget we're too close to the picture. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of this podcast. I feel it's like a track record. Like we'll be able to yeah. go back. Episode one, <laughs> what the hell was I doing? Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. I was thinking that this morning. I was at, I was actually on a hike and I was like, oh, it's going to be interesting when I look back in a year or mm-hmm. two and think like, oh, that was so cute. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even on social media, so like young. Yeah, yeah. Oh. the way we record ourselves Mm-hmm. in life today, you know, with social media mm-hmm. and all the ways that we're able to record our whatever's going on in our lives. I think it's pretty cool that we have such an obvious track record. Of course, like depending on how authentic the content is you put out there, you're going to have mm-hmm. a easier way to see back on your, we call living journal of whatever yeah. your experiences were. But um, it's kind of cool. We have, mm-hmm. we, we at least have the technology to do it. So we should be mm-hmm. using it, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so I was going to mention that in your writings, you talk about a pattern you've discovered that you've been stuck in for a long time, um, which was being rewarded financially after stressful or hectic work. 
this stuck out so loudly to me. Like, this is a pattern that I've recently realized I am seriously addicted to as well. So where do you think this, first off, I just, let's start with where do you think this type of pattern is born? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, this pattern was, I think a lot of patterning is born through wounding and probably a lot in early childhood. Um, although I wouldn't even happen anytime, but for me, it was early messages I received around like having a career and making money. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. Um, it was a survival mentality that I grew up with. Um, also came out of not feeling like really believing in my value so I have to like, if I'm doing all, if I'm stressed out, that must show that I have value. If I'm really, you know, like str- striving or struggling, it must show that I have value. Um, and then there's also a part of it that I created where I wanted to prove that life was hard for me in the way I grew up. I felt guilty that it wasn't as hard for me as some others that I was close to in my life. And I think I created difficulties to be like it's hard and like mm-hmm. I should be rewarded I have value and to feel worthy yeah, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. wow yeah. yeah even just thinking about that is breaking down some bridges for me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of payoffs and all that you know yeah anyway. yeah yeah I think that I have definitely um found ways to make work harder for me than it needs to be. And and I'm sure you can relate through the acting work you did maybe mm-hmm. with Jade and I, you know, being professional models for all these years. When you're a model, people instantly go, oh, you're a model? That's like the easiest job ever. All you do is stand there yes. and look pretty and take pictures. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing? Like, that's not hard work, mm-hmm. you know? Right. That idea whether or not that's true, which it's not true. Okay. Like it is not almost true. every boyfriend I have had has treated my work that way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And the thing about it is you convince yourself through that interaction with mm. people that that is the case. So then like, I know from, for my own experience, I literally have taken on jobs that are so ridiculously hard. No one would even want to think about doing them modeling jobs, like where I would have to go mm-hmm. stand out in the freezing cold, snow sometimes for 11 hour days smile and you know and keep your face on and do all the things and interact with people for that many hours with barely any food you know maybe these companies should be shamed for 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 doing that to their models (laughs) but even the companies that you're working for don't think that you're doing work you know they don't think that it's work so then they end up treating you badly Right. And so you're, you're proving like, oh no, look how hard it is, which is so interesting as opposed to like, why can't it be, this is joyful. This is fun. This is my creative expression Mm -hmm. and show that to the world as, as an example of how it could be. Mm -hmm. Well, even if, even on the most mild modeling job is still not easy. I mean, there's a lot more that mm-hmm. goes into it. I'm not going to sit here and like preach about why modeling is difficult. You know, this mm-hmm. is, that's not the point here. The point is that I've made it harder than it needs to be on yeah. purpose. Just like what you're saying. Like I've literally found ways to align myself. I think maybe I've drawn those jobs to me, mm-hmm. you know, with whatever mm-hmm. frequency I'm running where I'm afraid of not sh- showing up as worthy to the people mm-hmm 
I'm being hired by. Um, yeah. And that's something I, I need to do a lot more thinking on. So like, thank you for bringing that up. I will. Yeah. I'll journal it tonight. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how can we navigate this addiction to abusive work and, and maybe reframe our brain to accept or require payment for less stressful work? That's where I need to get. That's where mm-hmm. I need to get right away. <laughs> yes. So again, looking at how the current is situation or framing is serving us. And for me, you know, I identified some things, but it's also, again, I go back to this uh, chaos defense that I have and it being a place for me to hide. So if it's, if it's really stressful, then it's consuming me, then, well, I can't do the, this real creative work that's going to actually propel my life in the direction that I want to go. That's actually going to reveal who my true voice and my true gifts, because I'm too consumed with this and and survival and this stressful work that's happening here. So for me, it's noticing that's how it served me up until now. And then again, believing in, can it be different? Creating a new belief system around it, Uh, looking at the beliefs and the wounds that, that led to the current situation and deciding, yeah, deciding something different, you know, just like I did with my relationship. I knew I was in a, in a spot. I knew I was learning through pain and, and I believed, I started believing really that it could be different. And then from the belief that it could be different, starting to align with a new vision, the inquiry of like, what would a new vision look like? How would it change? What would change for me? How would, how would my behaviors change? What might I do differently if I had this new belief system? And then starting to connect with that and, and retrain the body from there mm-hmm. to feel into this new way mm-hmm. of being. Because so much of it is body memory. It's, mm-hmm. it's that we're used to the feel, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I can that blood boiling and all the stress. Totally. Totally. I still, sometimes I'll check in and be like, am I feeling that? Mm. Oh, is that there? Okay. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. It's less, but yeah. Cause it's such a visceral thing for me. I even notice when I'm getting ready for a job and I have plenty of time, that feeling of like, Oh, got to rush. Got to like do, 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 mm-hmm. you know, get all these things done mm-hmm. and, and, and in line. Yeah. Me too. And I have no reason to be rushed but I have the same physical sensations because it's like I need the stress in order to, maybe I think I need the stress in order to like mm-hmm. push me through to get to the end result that I'm mm-hmm. hoping for. I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. some weird stuff I got going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love what you mentioned about how you fell in love with playing trampoline dodgeball, which oh yeah, super random, but sounds like so much fun. Oh my gosh, it's the best. Even but, more random but, is that that's what my kids are doing at this moment. That is up. really crazy. Yeah, they are. are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's hilarious. How old are your kids? Two and three. They go to a, oh. um, a trampoline park here. And they, so they play cute. dodgeball and rock climb and all that stuff. Um, so through your story of how you came to love this game of, of trampoline dodgeball, you mm-hmm. recognize this parallel to life that is you can't get a hit if you don't throw the ball. So mm-hmm. the most important thing to remember is to just throw the damn ball. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, 
not having compassion was sort of a mm-hmm. like monster on the trampoline dodgeball court. Like I'm like, throw them all, throw them not all. Not me. The, those uh, kids, I, they're toddlers. And when they're throwing the ball at me, I'm like, holy hell, <laughs> this hurts. And I'm like, out, I'm, I leave. And I just hilarious. watch them from outside the net because I'm like, this, this isn't fun for me. That's so cute. I think it's because um, they're toddlers. They're like, wow, I get you in the hiding. Good for them. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I I think I noticed that so much because it's been a theme in my life that um, I had a teacher at some point, uh, Dallas Travers, um, who used to say, don't get it right, get it going. And I that's, hmm. that's like something I need to remind myself of often, mm-hmm. um, you know, less and less, but it's, it's been a theme for me that it's not going to be perfect. There's mm-hmm. going to be so many iterations of what I'm doing. It's, it's just to start, it's to put something out there I and, like that and then, mm-hmm. yeah. And then iterate from there as opposed mm-hmm. to just waiting and waiting until that perfect moment or that thing mm-hmm. is perfect because it's never going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. so we're so adverse, you know, to risk, like you're saying, or even to mm-hmm. the risk of something not being perfect, which I know I do that, mm-hmm. that we end up, you know, clamming up and stuck because it's too yeah. overwhelming to move into mm-hmm. it when we want it to be so, so perfect or we're worried about whatever yeah. risk comes with it. And I don't know, we can begin my, to be all talk. Yeah. 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 That, that's exactly right. That's when, when people become all talk. Yeah. We don't show mm-hmm. up. I did a post today actually about that on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But that type of, of stagnancy is super detrimental if you're trying to reach your highest potential mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. your short time here mm-hmm. on this planet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. It's, it's, it's like just getting mm-hmm. started and, and trusting that as you take those steps, you're going to see more and and you're yeah. going to learn more and you're going to understand and learn what to do after that. It's like, yeah. you don't have to understand everything right from the beginning. Yeah. So I have to kind of find the balance in that though, because I am a huge risk taker. I'll move mm. at the drop of a hat. I'll buy a ticket out of the country, drop of the hat, especially before I had children. So a lot of times for me, instead of the mantra, um, don't get it right, get it going. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's going to be right or not. I'm just going to go. <laughs> like, I just, I'm like, let's do it. And that's beautiful. That can be um, born, though, from my impatience and my striving mm-hmm. to that fullest potential. And mm-hmm. I've never looked back and thought, well, that was a mistake or, well, I should have waited toward till my next hormone cycle when I was thinking a little more clearly or <laughs> anything like that. But, um, but it can be overwhelming for those around me, you know, mm. when I'm just constantly, let's just do it, you know, like yeah. even, you know, with us starting this podcast, that was my mode, you know, mm-hmm. and Mercedes balanced me in, well, we need to get these things in a row, mm-hmm. you know, thank God we didn't air the first few things we <laughs> recorded. <laughs> it's so great that the you trash. can balance each other, really. But I mean, you guys are mm-hmm. so organized and it, but it's great to have that balance and to understand like which side of the pendulum you tend to swing mm-hmm. to so that you yeah. can, you know, and sometimes we need to overcorrect a little bit and then yeah. come, mm-hmm. come back to middle. But I really admire people who just put themselves out there and like, because it's, mm-hmm. that's been something that's been so hard for me to offer my yeah. voice, especially unsolicited. 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been something that I've really had to push myself to start doing. So I admire yeah. that very much in other people. Yeah. We're trying to move out to California and, um, you know, every year we're like, okay, next year, because we want these things to happen. And I'm the type of person that's like, stop talking about it, pack your bags, you know? And, um, so that's something that I'm trying to figure out what's the right, is that the mantra for this situation or do I need to find Mm. balance? It's hard to really know when you have, I have such a strong personality that leans you know, to the other side. So mm-hmm. that's a big learning stage for me right now. Yeah. Um, I think too, on this, um, you know, show Jade and I play such polarized roles, like mm-hmm. just that's because that's who we, we are at this point in our lives. But I mm-hmm. see, I see both of us pulling each other towards something in the middle, which is kind of cool to like have, like I said before, you know, recording this experience, whatever it's going to mean, we're going to be able to Mm -hmm. like see it and look back on it. And it's a little science experiment. And it's nice that Mm -hmm. we um, have learned to be fluid in that because sometimes people can just not do either then, you know, like one person's wanting to do one Mm -hmm. and that person's wanting to do another. So they don't do either, you Mm -hmm. know, so you got to learn to be fluid as well. Um, Yeah. And it's great that you embrace those different qualities in each other. Yeah, it's been a learning process. <laughs> um, so we do have a question from our magic mob, which is our tribe of listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, at underscore love Tiffany says, how do we consciously move toward our calling when we don't yet know what it is? Mm-hmm. We might be good at or enjoy many things, but how do we avoid confusion and walk a clear path towards our highest calling? Great question. Mm-hmm. I feel there's a, a, a bunch of different ways to, to connect to it. Uh, I like to look at childhood um, because I feel, I feel like we really do all know. It's just how much is in the way mm-hmm. um, or how much damage has caused us to disconnect from it. So looking at childhood and, and what really made our hearts sing when we were that age and what we really connected to can be one step that can help. Um, I also feel that it, there doesn't, again, going back to this idea of perfection or of, of it being right or wrong, it doesn't need to be one clear, like, you know, sign from God or whatever it may be that, oh, this is your exalted highest calling. It can be a, a process of, just taking steps, just trying things and see what you connect to and what starts opening up for you or taking these steps towards what, what's fun for you, what's interesting and iterating from there, you know, it's, it, as it's going to, and also again, going back to having people that can reflect back to you that see you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that can also be important because it can, reconfirm what you might already know about yourself, but be scared to admit, because I think also a lot of confusion comes out of just a fear of not really wanting, being too scared to admit what's true for you yeah, for one reason or another. So I, I, I think reflection can help with that too. Yeah. I think also, um, just noticing you, you said it in other words, but just noticing what lights you up and makes you feel light, mm-hmm. uh, that's for you. Whatever dulls you down is not for you. And also everything that you said really lines up with um, Rebecca Campbell's book, 
Yes, Midas I love Black, her. I love which, her. Which, by yes. the way, Rebecca, this is the second time we've mentioned you. Come <laughs> oh. on the show. Listeners, go tell her. She's um, so beautiful. Yeah, I love her work. Yeah. So her mm-hmm. her work, you know, really talks about that inner knowing and the universe knocking. And that's how you find your calling is by really mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that I, answer. I think even just by asking the question, it kind of like opens yeah. the door. And people Completely. Um, discredit that, like discredit yeah. the idea of even the things you've been talking about today here, Deanna, of mm-hmm. meditation and visualization. And when we say those words, meditation, visualization, or just mm-hmm. saying out loud to the universe, people go, oh, it's so woo-woo and it's so ridiculous and that's yeah. not going to work mm-hmm. for me. But that, why are you not believing in this moment? Like what is the script yeah. you're running in this moment that's a, that's blocking you from being accepting to those things even being a potential in your life? Yeah, and I love what you just said about asking questions because a lot of the work that I do with people is just knowing what questions to ask mm-hmm. uh, because there's so much that you can discover mm-hmm. about yourself. Like really I'm guiding people on sure. a path of self-discovery and that comes through inquiry. And there's mm-hmm. so much you can learn about yourself just simply by asking questions. Yeah. you know, I started my yeah. journey. Uh, actually, I think um, a big influence for me was listening to Deepak Chopra's Mm -hmm. affirmations. And one of the things he repeats a lot or asks you to repeat to yourself a lot is not necessarily a direct or clear visualization of anything, but just the question, what do I want? Like just saying that Mm -hmm. out loud or in your head or however you're going to do it, but making that even your mantra, what do I want will cause Mm -hmm. this spontaneous subconscious thing to happen in you, not necessarily in this very moment, but because you have that rolling around in your head and you open the door, mm-hmm. the answer will come. And that's the It idea. definitely will come. And also so important in asking questions is when the answers come to not judge them and just to go with it without mm-hmm. thinking about it, because you're hopefully going to get answers that surprise you. But I think sometimes people get an answer and they're like, oh no, that's not right. Or they judge it or they think like it's it should be something different. And so I think in the process of asking these questions is so important to really just be, keep an open mind to whatever might come up. Because, you know, it's like that saying that your best thinking got you here. And and sometimes we really need to just put aside what we think is right and ask ourselves questions and allow ourselves to be surprised by what comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I think also to that listener who um, asked that question, the fact that she asked that question means she's already on that path. Yeah. And a lot of times we can question, am I on the right path? And the answer is always yes, because you're mm-hmm. on it. Always. You know, you're totally. always on the right path. It's like yes. that circle being drawn around you. You were meant mm-hmm. to be here talking to the person you're talking to at this moment. doesn't mean that changes don't need to be made, but you, where you're at right now you're on the right path. hundred percent. I totally agree with you. And I also think that, you know, in my prayers, a lot of times I will, I will say, and I will ask, let me, and, and I think this probably originated for me with Marianne Williamson, but let me, you know, see who you would have me see, be where you would have mm-hmm. me be, speak with who you would have me speak with, um, as a prayer to guiding me and helping me to notice the things that are going to lead me along this path of whether it's uh, Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to discover what my purpose is or or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be that I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't mean this in a contradiction in any way. Actually, 
I just want to emphasize, I think, the gray area between what you are both saying about give, you know, having this prayer and asking for almost fate to bring you what you, or the universe to bring you what you most desire, what your highest potential is. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that can feel, especially to a control freak like me, that can feel too reliant on outside stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually really in alignment and close to like manifesting your own destiny, which is for a control freak like me, something that I tend to use those words more often, like I'm I'm manifesting. So I think if you mm-hmm. can reword it almost, it helps you reframe your brain if you need it if you need to reframe it in order to make it believable mm-hmm. for you. Like, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Sure. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying too. And and for the control freaks and even for the not control freaks, I feel that that part of it, like the, the praying, the meditating, the visualization, affirmations, whatever it is that people choose to do in order to align with, with what they're wanting or what they're, you know, creating, uh, those are those are tools for alignment and that doesn't negate putting yourself out, taking the steps, mm-hmm. taking the actions. It, they, they work together or they're, I feel they're meant to work together. Yeah. And they are work. I mean, prayer and uh, consciously manifesting, which are, are the same thing, essentially mm-hmm. are work. I mean, this is efforts. You have to actually take conscious you know, steps to do that. So it's important mm-hmm. to remember and maybe that word work also still has that connotation for me of, of needing to be stressful <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or abusive or hectic. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about meditation or something like that, there is a stress factor for me to it where I have to set aside other stuff that I've become addicted to, like stressful, hectic work, to literally calm my mind down and allow for some sort of creativity and quietness and all those things to happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things in there. I don't really have a question to go with it. I just, (laughs) just free flow in here. So we also have a a pick your poison question Hmm. from our magic mob coming from Instagram. Mm -hmm. The question is, would you rather have a horrible job, but be able to retire comfortably in 10 years or have a job, you know, your dream job, but have to work until the day you die? Oh my gosh. Great question. Um, yeah, easy for me to answer though, because I don't ever want to retire. So (laughs) I, I've always said that, um, yeah, I don't think I ever will retire because I want to like live my purpose, which I see is my work. Um, it's just a matter of like, what I want to work in a horrible job and retire in 10 years. No, um, I, I want to live my purpose always. And I see part of my purpose is, you know, the work that I'm doing in the world. Do I want to do it in favorable terms? Yes, of course. But yeah, I, I definitely would love, love to be working in my purpose. Yeah. I, yeah, think I feel the same. And also how do we know we're going to live till retirement? You know, yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> why be miserable in the meantime? That's for true, any, yeah. even just a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree too. I feel like it's like a, Hard question at first, but at the end of the day, and I think all three of us are kind of living our bliss in a big way, especially mm-hmm. through this show. I know Jada and I are. Um, it's not even like a, a tough decision at all, because if I'm mm-hmm. doing something that I'm totally enjoying, I'd, I'd do it without getting paid, then 
I want to do this till the day I die. You know, I don't have any reason to quit doing, like I'd rather, I feel like that's what people quit their shitty job to do or retire Mm -hmm. from their hardworking, you know, stressful job to do something they love. Totally. We're, we're, We're meant to work in some fashion, you know, but on the things that we, that light us up. So there's a few short questions that we like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, my. Um, (laughs) I I would really want her to understand what her value is and to believe in that. And I don't know if that's something that I could get her to really understand with just advice. Mm-hmm. I wish I could give her the gift of embodying that. Um, but also to like really just appreciate where you are and don't judge yourself and don't mm-hmm. judge where you are and just keep moving forward and have fun, have more fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. I have a little bracelet that says, enjoy this, mm. um, that I made. It's a little, uh, rose gold bar. Um, because it is, it is really hard because, um, we're like when I was in my twenties, I just wanted a family, you know, I've said this before. And now when I have a family, I'm like, man, sometimes I just miss that freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that later when my kids are grown, I'm going to be like, man, why can't they be little again? Mm -hmm. So it's, I need that constant reminder. Enjoy this. Mm -hmm. For sure. For me, it's a constant process of where you are is, is where where you're meant to be. And yeah, get as much enjoyment as you can because it's going to (laughs) change. Yeah. All part of the journey and it's all important, even the painful Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's maybe the most important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question is, if you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Hmm. Well, I love books and I love reading. <laughs> I, this is a tough question because I feel that every person, for as many people as there are, we might need that many messengers or we might need that many different, different interpretations, which is why I think it's so important and also so awesome that there's, you know, so much access to information now and so many different Mm -hmm. teachers and so many different writers. Um, that being said, I mean, Atlas Shrugged is really one Mm -hmm. of my most life-changing books. And I feel there's so much great commentary and, and so many different lessons in it, Uh, for something that's, um, maybe could be more easily connected to by more people. I love all of the Jerry and Esther Hicks books because I feel like their messages are so full of love, but so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and What's your favorite from their collection? That's hard. The Vortex maybe. Um, but they really, I got into their books a, a number long time ago and they did change my life. They put me got me really excited about a new path. Mm. So I think for that reason, because the messages are so simple and I feel they just ring so true for me and they're so filled with love is, mm. is the, the really important part for me. I would want people to feel that love and to yeah. know that, that to feel the love and to feel the connection. I like too what you said about needing all these different messages, all these different authors that 
put forward these messages um, for people to gravitate to. And everybody, you know, is going to have a different perspective when they read a book. Some books are going to resonate with some people and it's not going to resonate with the next person. Um, I find that like when I get into a subject and I, I almost like obsess over it and then I start reading all these books on that subject. Mm-hmm. It's not only that, you know, some books are going to resonate more with me than others, but it's that because I'm trying to retrain my brain, like I'm consciously trying to like really get this sunk in, whatever it is, whatever the idea totally. is, that yeah. I need another book coming from a different person's perspective and different angle to like tweak those other neurons on the sidelines that didn't get tweaked with that first book. You know, yes. the longer I can, I can do that and the more content I can put in and almost like the longer I prolong it into my life, I can create a habit and practice through doing that. I think it's a cool technique that I, I love that. Really helpful. Yeah. I like to, I like to hit it from all angles too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get this from every side. Exactly. So the last of these staple questions is if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Mm. You're, you're loved. Mm. It's going to be okay. That's two phrases. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many people don't feel loved. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. seen. I, uh, yes. Oh my gosh. I, I think if, if everyone on earth could really feel seen that, or even if a lot of the people on earth could feel seen that our entire world would change drastically. We all have to do our part to make sure those around us feel seen. Mm -hmm. This is a random segue, but, um, you mentioned your husband, you feeling like he has this very masculine presence and he really Mm -hmm. like helped also allows you to feel seen. And Mm -hmm. one of the, one of our dream guests is John Wineland, Wineland, who speaks a lot about sexual polarity and how the feminine or the yin, you know, embodies Mm -hmm. this idea of um, wanting to be known and seen. Mm -hmm. And the masculine embodies this uh, idea of wanting freedom, essentially, is like their base, their core thing. Mm -hmm. Do you since you since you called out his you know masculine presence in that, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you if that's something you experience in yourself as as the feminine, and do you see that mm-hmm. in your husband um, on the freedom side? Do you see him embodying that on his? I don't his? know that it's so much the freedom for him. Uh, he does talk a lot about the polarity, and he's super passionate about the masculine and the feminine mm-hmm. as well, and study it. And, um, if, Yes. Yes. I want to be seen. And I think for him, it's, it's more of where his focus is, like his folk, where his focus is directed in that moment. And that as a man, it's not, he's not able to direct it in multiple areas at a moment. So there are times where it it might seem like he's off somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's because his focus is off somewhere else and, and he's not actually able to give like a woman's brain, which is a multitasking brain, can focus on multiple things at a time. So I think a lot of the, those things for us are fun to explore and also helpful like in the understanding in our relationship of 
appreciating that polarity and what makes us different, but also understanding like when he's off here, he he gets home, he needs like this amount of time transition because his focus has been here all at once, mm-hmm. all this amount of time. And then he can't just come in and like immediately focus on me. So mm. yeah, I love, that's a super interesting topic. Yeah. Um, it just, it's something I'm definitely interested in, but haven't you know, done much work or studying on. I'm sure we'll, we'll get there. Cause we're going to have John on the show. Nice. <laughs> John. <That's> so <laughs> great. We've Alison been- Armstrong is really amazing too. Teacher oh, yeah. in the, uh, Alison Armstrong. She teaches Alison on the, Armstrong. yeah. Right, masculine and feminine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put it Thank on the you. list. All right. So where can people find you out there on the internet? Where can they find you and your work? Yes, I'm, at Deanna with Love Coaching on Instagram, and it's D E A N N A with Love Coaching. And I'd love to connect with all of you, any of you. Perfect. One of my, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Deanna, thank you this so has much. Been, yeah, amazing. Thank you, ladies. You're very inspiring, I, I gotta say. And you just yeah. have your shit together and so lovely. We don't, we don't feel like it at all. So yeah, I appreciate no, you saying You really it. do. And your questions are so thoughtful. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, really thoughtful questions. I'm, I'm very, very happy to meet you guys. Thank you. Thank us you. too. Yeah. And by divine design, you were totally yeah. here. So I'm glad, so funny. glad it happened. Good job, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> the universe wanted it to happen. Thanks, yeah. universe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys mm-hmm. so much. Ooh, that was a helpful conversation. I love I that. Liked her. Yes, me too. I related to her a lot. I felt like she was one of our, our girlfriends. I know. I didn't want to let her go. I was like, well, hey, when are we going <laughs> to hang out? um i was gonna say before we we move on to the rest of the show i had this thought that i'll just quickly mention because one of the books that deanna references a lot in her work is uh she mentioned it in the show actually by joe dispenza it's called um breaking the habit of being yourself Mm -hmm. this is legit one of my favorite books it houses probably Yeah, probably one of the most transformative concepts I've ever applied to my life, which is the idea of rewiring your brain, like we've talked about in the show, and overriding Mm -hmm. um, the background scripts you've been running in your subconscious constantly. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the reason I bring this up is because even the title of the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, it kind of seems like it flies in the face of something we often tout on this show, which is the belief that you know, quote unquote, you are enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that actually this idea of rewiring your brain is falling in alignment with believing you are enough, but but instead- you really are. Yeah, because we, mm-hmm. if we just finish that sentence with, instead of just you are enough, it's you are enough to fulfill your highest potential by seeking the tools and exercises that, that will- help you be a better human, you know, on mm-hmm. the daily, mm-hmm. it really completes that sentence. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but just because even, no, even when needed. Deanna, mm-hmm. Deanna was mentioning that book, she was saying, breaking the habit of being yourself. It sounds so like abrupt and you're like, well, what's wrong with me? And mm-hmm. it's not that anything's wrong. With, it's not that anything, it's not that you're not enough is the point I'm trying to get across here. It's that mm-hmm. 
you are more than enough. You're literally an infinite, amazing being that has all the potential Mm -hmm. in the world. You just need to enact the practices, instill those into your life so that you can maximize your potential like we talked about in this show. So kind of repetitive maybe to what we've already talked about, but I don't know. Like I was saying earlier, it's good to hear it from a bunch of different ways until <laughs> yeah. it gets through your skull. Um, yeah, the ideas that that Deanna put forward in her writing are, you know, basically a guide to accomplish just that. So mm-hmm. with that said, I hope you enjoyed listening to our little combo with her today. And I hope you'll decide for yourself where and how you can apply this magic into your life. Yeah. Speaking of magic, let's get into our magic tricks. My magic trick today is pressure valves. If you have a slow cooker, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) What? (laughs) It'll burn you. It'll burn you. So um, we all have pressure valves in a sense that when we're filled up with stress or just filled up with some emotion that we're not wanting to deal with, or we're just, you know, overflowing with whatever, you know, life is throwing at us, you know, too much on our shoulders, whatever, you know, you're going through. We tend to have a pressure valve that relieves us of all that pressure, which is, um, could be shopping, um, could be distracting ourselves with social media, could be alcohol, could be, you know, even things that are beneficial, at other times. And, you know, for me, it's uh, usually distracting myself with social media or eating a lot of chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's good for the nerves. So um, yeah. So my magic trick this week is to just recognize, take note of what your pressure valve is throughout this next week. When you're starting to feel overwhelmed, starting to feel like you need a release, what do you go to? And I would challenge you or invite you to instead of getting on that app or on that shopping site or making yourself a cocktail, do something that helps you to sit with all of your thoughts and all of those emotions stirring around and releases them in a different way, like meditation, yoga, go for a a nice walk or or even a jog, Um, something that you know, is beneficial and helps you to grow and ponder, you know, your situation and how it can um, change for the better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important to realize that these things that come up in you, they're less accessible when you're not triggered. So it's a catalyst for insight and for self-awareness. And if you're choosing to listen to the show, then it means you're most likely trying and willing to grow and, also most likely and op- you know open to trying things like this. So, you know, use use those triggers for self-awareness and um yeah, recognize your pressure valves in this next week. I like that. Mercedes, what do you got? My magic trick sounds a lot easier than it actually is. What I want you to do is try to remember to look for whatever background script you're running the next time you're in a state of mind that you don't like. For example, mm-hmm. if you're sitting in traffic and you're experiencing road rage, which I am, have been often known to do, <laughs> I want you to attempt to consciously recognize the emotion you're experiencing and then remember the science we've mentioned in this episode. Pull yourself out of your emotion for a moment 
which that's where it's way harder to do than it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, And determine what words or phrases you're repeating in the back of your mind. I know if you're anything like me, you'll find a whole slew of negative words and phrases you've been unconsciously repeating to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Seriously, I'm so bad with that. So now that you've recognized how you are unconsciously causing the negative emotions you're experiencing, you can consciously change the script you're running to something something more positive. Um, And by the way, even if this new script feels like a lie, like the positive script, if it feels like ridiculous and feels like a lie because you're still feeling the residual emotions from your previous negative script, Mm -hmm. just keep repeating it. Yeah. It's rewiring. It's rewiring. work, yeah. And it takes time to rewire. So keep repeating it. Mm -hmm. It's easy to lose focus on it um, and fall, you know, back into the negative background script. So if you do lose focus, once you notice that you've lost focus, just pick it back up where you left off last. Um, And by the way, if this sounds a little bit ridiculous to you, like I was saying earlier when we were talking to Deanna, if these ideas and tools sound ridiculous to you, ask yourself what script you're running right now as you're yeah, listening to these words. Like, What is the script you're running that's causing you to be unaccepting and closed off to something that might actually help you? Um, that's a good point. There's probably something there that needs to be adjusted as well. Yeah. Why are you opposing something positive? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just trying to help you, bud. Uh-huh. I have something on my fridge that says, um, like, you know, the things that you can think instead. So it's like, oh, I have to go to the grocery store. Instead, I have money for groceries. Mm. Ugh, so many dishes. I got to eat, eat. a yeah. meal with my family today. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so much laundry. I have freaking clothes, you know, yeah. like, oh, this traffic. I'm in a vehicle that you know, I can afford. And (laughs) this is where I'm meant to be. I'm not having to take the bus or walk because I'm not, you know, carless. So there's always a way you can. Oh yeah. Positively. I think always. Yeah. And just, just cultivating that positiveness is going to turn around your day. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's fucking fantastic. I like that list. Mm -hmm. I need one like on my tattooed on my arm, I think. Yep. I love that. Something I've tried to live by. So thank you. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you found this conversation with Deanna as refreshing and light-giving as we did. Mm -hmm. If so, please share it with your friends and family. This would mean so much to us. And remember also that you can go to our Instagram page at The Magic Hour to ask us or any of our future guests a question. Talk to you guys next week. Until then, be a light. Thank you to Deanna Smith for being on our show today and to at Rayton Royal for our intro jam. And of course, to Adam from Red Fox Audio for producing the show. Stay magical, friends. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys, you know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. 
contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves. This program is a Red Fox audio production.